0: This is Real Talk, the customer insights show with Jen Vogel. Jen and her guests share valuable information to help you understand your customers better. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Real Talk. This episode is presented to you by Vox Pop me, the leader in video surveys. Here's today's episode.
1: Hello, InSex professionals, marketers, and everyone who wants to understand their customers better. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Real Talk. The Customer Insight Show. Today, I'm excited to chat with Dr. Graham Kenny, a speaker, consultant, strategy expert, and regular Harvard Business Review contributor. He recently wrote an article on why data cannot replace talking to customers, a topic I'm very interested in digging deeper on, and thought you would be interested as well. I'm excited to chat with him today. So, all the way from Sydney, Australia, welcome to Real Talk, Dr. Kenny.
0: Well, thanks very much. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Absolutely, really pleased to have you. I'm excited for this conversation today. I really loved that article that you wrote and I know you have it's uh, a topic you've covered before as well. So uh, it'll be interesting to dig deeper on that today. Great. So, you covered this topic of data and talking with customers at length, uh, like I said, several times. And uh, I'm curious, what prompted this topic to be top of mind for you?
0: Well, Jen, a couple of things. I work with uh, organizations and executive teams, helping them to develop strategy. And uh, often uh, they're not really across what's going on in the marketplace. So, um, when you're talking to executives, they often don't leave the office, they don't talk to customers and so on. So that's one of the things that alerted me to the need for executives to get out of the office, to talk to customers, and there's a way of doing that. And so there's, a, there's an absence of that in most organizations. So the executive team gets isolated from the customer experience. On the other hand, you've got a big push towards big data, which is a good is in terms of a data lake so that everything goes into the lake and then later you fish something out that you might want and uh, and so then I started to think well what can big data deliver as against going out and really eyeballing your customers and I think there is a difference in what both can deliver and we can talk about that as we go along but relying on big data as the you know, the only way to do it, or the be all and end all, is just going to be a disaster.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And so, you know, going a little deeper on that into this this big data, you know, what are what kinds of data are people are companies um, getting from this data lake? I love that uh, analogy, <laughs> um, and that that they're using to make decisions.
0: Well, there's a couple of examples in Australia I can can talk to you about. One is from the Commonwealth Bank. Now, the Commonwealth Bank is Australia's largest bank, and we have in Australia a policy called the Big Four Banks. So there's four banks that dominate the marketplace in retail banking. And the Commonwealth Bank is setting itself up so that it can gather all this data from its customers and then be able to look into particular profiles of a customer. So, for example, if I was to go to a bank teller, not that many people go there these days, especially online, but if I went to a bank teller or online, as a donor, and I want to, say, make a deposit in my account, the teller can turn around and say, well, while you're here, Uh, Graham, would you be interested in a loan for your car? Would you like to refinance your housing loan? Because what comes up on the screen in front of that teller is a profile about me, and that profile will be about demographics and so on. And so that will prompt the teller to ask the question, which will then get me to purchase across the product range. I can give you another example of quite a different one from a company called Woolworths. Woolworths is uh, one of two major grocery chains in Australia. There's Coles and Woolworths, related to the South African Woolworths. It's an Australian company. Now, what's happening in that case is quite interesting because they've identified in their organisation these silos. And the silos, we're all familiar with the marketing has their marketing data, finance and so on. So there's not much relationship between them. And again, they formed a lake which allows uh, the data from one section to be integrated with another section. And I think that's quite exciting, actually, because one of the problems we have in um, information gets corralled <clears throat> and there's some really good information. But now it never really comes together. For example, customer satisfaction data with purchasing patterns, uh, with the profitability of products, and so on. I mean, there's a, a lot of this is disconnected. So I think there's two exciting developments in terms of big data.
1: Yeah, I told. I, yeah, I've, I think we've we've seen that a lot, where um, there's a, a definitely a push for data transparency across those silos. And again, I love that, like analogy of kind of putting it into the the lakes. So access to it and actually use it for decisions. It's really important. I think it, you know, it certainly helps with efficiency because, you know, there's a lot of overlap in that data, especially when we start thinking about research and doing surveys and things like that, you know, sometimes you don't need to ask a new question because somebody else has already asked it and, and being able to have that data transparency is crucial. Um, and the banking example is interesting too, like in the, the profiling data for cross-sell. I, I went to the, a bank teller yesterday for probably the first time in, I can't tell you how many years. <laughs> so it definitely, they didn't try to upsell me on anything. So I don't know what that's no. about my definitely- profile
0: that can be a problem. My wife won't go to Woolworths with a with a, uh, a loyalty card because she said, by the time I've come home, I've got an email that tells me what I should be buying next visit. And she said, I don't want people to know that much about my buying behavior. So there is a downside to, to too much information and then using it in that ways. And, and if you were to go to your bank teller, And the conversation was about selling you something else. You wouldn't find that a good experience.
1: Right, right. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, you know, impacts the integrity of the data if somebody, you know, if I do have a loyalty card, but I don't actually want you to know what I'm purchasing in this particular trip, so I don't use it because I don't want that on my file. (laughs) Maybe I'm getting a candy bar and normally I'm buying healthy foods and I want that on my profile. Like, how does that impact the, the quality of the data, I wonder?
0: Well, there's a term in the industry called precisely inaccurate. And in other words, it's precise down to the, you know, decimal point, but it's inaccurate. And there's studies that show that two thirds of the data of the organizations is simply wrong.
1: Yeah. So. Well, this feels like a good segue because, you know, as we're talking about big data and all the different types of data that can go into the lake, um, I'm going to keep saying that, Um, you know, what are the advantages of this kind of data and the disadvantages of this kind of data?
0: Well, it's funny you ask that because I've just been working on something this morning and I was looking about... uh 2019 so about two years ago, I started to get interested in the use of artificial intelligence in business strategy and I couldn't really uh, make it work and the reason I was trying to is the strategy design part and the other part is the strategy execution and they're quite different and there's different people get involved there's different challenges in each and so What I've come up with is this suggestion that I think big data is going to be very useful in the execution phase. So, for example, those examples I gave you, and McDonald's as well as another example, they're using the strategy or the strategic positions that have already been decided for the organization in terms of product range or product quality or whatever. And then they're driving that through the organisation in that by using that technology, so that when I come to the teller, the teller can then say, "Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that?" That, to me, is an execution phase, and I think big data is going to be very useful in that. And uh, it's already making a move. For example, Commonwealth Bank is spending five billion dollars on this. Over the next five years, so they have really spending a lot of money, and they're, they're looking at this as the key to their competitive advantage. Oh. But it'll be a competitive advantage on execution. Now, what you do in box Pop Me, and what I do mainly, is about strategy design. Now, strategy design is quite different. Strategy design is where i need to be in touch with the customers the changes and trends that are occurring outside take a reading on that then come back and design where the organization is sitting on things like service quality price etc and i don't think at this stage you know big data or artificial intelligence is going to make an impact there so much as in the execution phase so that's, that's my take on it. And uh, I've just sorted this out in the last couple of days, even though that article sat around for two years. I came back to it, I thought, oh, I can't do this, it's too hard. And I came back to it having, you know, thought about it in our conversation the other day and some other work I've been doing. And I thought, there's a split. Strategy design, strategy execution, and AI will be different in both areas.
1: Sure, that's really interesting. And when you started kind of splitting those two apart, you mentioned that it's there's different people responsible. So, like, who's responsible for the design, and who's responsible for the execution? um, Especially when it comes to the data piece, would that be customer data or the big data?
0: Well, if you take start with design, start with execution first, the answer is everyone. And so it's from the CEO through the various executive levels, right down the person at the coalface. And that coalface can be a bank teller, it can be someone working in a factory, in a dairy cooperative, which is another business I've been uh, researching. And uh, so that's so, you know, how do we get the message through to someone who's working on the factory of a dairy products business that what you're doing is really important and that's a real challenge because most times that's not articulated and so people can't see the point of their jobs so that's on the everyone in an organization on execution and that's why it's very difficult and for most organizations not done very well and that's not just my opinion it's in the literature (laughs) On, on the design side it's Very much the senior executive's role. Uh, And I don't like the word strategy development, and I'll explain it why I don't like development. When you get a group of managers together in a room, and I've done this on many occasions, and say, What should our strategy be? Um, They start to look at each other and say, What are we going to do here? And the problem is, they're the worst people to ask. Not quite the worst, but they're among the worst. And I'll tell you why. They're looking inward all the time. They're running the systems. They're running the processes. They're looking at efficiency. So what I say to them is, don't do that. It's not about strategy development. It's about strategy discovery. And that's a really important thing. Because the people who are your best strategists, aren't even in the organization and they go this guy's crazy <laughs> which i don't mind um <laughs> but being crazy can say because what i'm trying to do is try to shift their thinking because the, the traditional way has been get together go away for two days or and not this out brainstorm flip charts all this sort of stuff you come away and i'll tell you what some people come away from it saying Nothing's changed. It's business as usual. We're just rolling over the same stuff. Well, that shouldn't surprise you because you've got the same people in the same room talking about the same material. So my suggestion, I've got a client in the US actually, we're gonna be doing this, and I've done this before, but this is something coming up, is to take the executives out of the office and visit the customers now that's a business to business situation so um, in that situation I'm saying to the executive team don't do what you've been doing over the previous years don't do what most organizations do which is look inwardly and try and come up with an outside view it's impossible mm-hmm. so what you need to do then is go out and have these conversations and I've suggested that it be the executive team in pairs uh, i'll have to set them yeah because sometimes you can miss things it's it's a well-known research technique to try and you know go out in pairs and have this conversation with the other industrial buyers because this is an industrial product and find out why they're not getting the work or why they are getting the work things i call strategic factors and hold a few other questions and then come back and say you know what We've made a real discovery here. And that's what I call insight. Now, everyone in their strategy, uh, design, development, but I say discovery, should be about insight. And if you're not getting insight in that process, it's just business as usual. So, yeah, I'm trying to shift the whole why people think about strategy development strategy design Mm -hmm. to strategy discovery and then we can see a much better way to um, come up with competitive advantage
1: that's such interesting nuance that you know that strategy design or development is something that you can do internally and potentially not even make any kind of change or impact but discovery in itself Um, does imply that you're you're seeking out elsewhere you're looking elsewhere and so that's where the role of talking to customers is so crucial and it's interesting too you say you know the execution side of things is is everyone's responsibility down to the frontline workers or whoever's interacting with the customers the senior executives who are responsible for that strategic discovery you know that's that's these are people who uh, their time is limited and resources limited and getting them to talk to customers like really has to be made, made a priority.
0: Yes. And, and I think what you're doing as an organization is quite interesting in that you are using uh, video of customers uh, to help understand the customer's point of view. And then you're taking that video, as I understand it, correct me if I'm wrong here, and then <laughs> producing a script and then doing content analysis on that script in order to look for certain themes. And I think that's quite quite a good method. I think that's a good approach because we're getting, the, we're getting now people talking about their experience in staying with that, in that hotel or flying on that airline. And so we're getting the customer's story And that's important but there's another i'm just getting a report from you which as i say is fine um and on that i've got certain themes or i can read the script there's something missing and the missing bit is emotion it's uh as i say emotion but it's also look in people's faces when they tell you what happened another part of it is human beings and that's why i'd say maybe do what you're doing but I would say to my client in the U.S. who's in the industrial industry, make sure you as a a set of executives get off your backsides, (laughs) get out there and talk to customers, go in pairs. I'll give you a form. I'll design it for you. Collect this data, bring it back, compare it to the other seven or eight executives in the team and then look for a harm moments will be we think you you will say i didn't understand that i didn't really appreciate when we do something wrong the impact of that on that client Mm -hmm. and that is emotion and you can't get that from a a written document
1: yeah totally um i've heard some really interesting stories throughout the you know, the insights industry and CPG of, you know, some really entrepreneurial kind of growth mindset oriented companies like, you know, they're to grocery stores, setting up a table, handing out their products and like talking to customers and how valuable that is um and uh just so everybody knows I didn't pay him to say any of that great stuff about Boxpot me, but I appreciate the plug <laughs> Better you than me, so thank you for that. But yeah, I mean, I think uh we're we're in agreement, whether it's in person or virtually, or you know a two way conversation or asynchronous video, like really talking to customers is crucial, and you know relying over reliance on big data is. Is Missing a piece right? It's valuable in the execution as you say Um, but uh, But it's it's not the full picture Um, Do you see companies over relying on? one side more than another
0: Um, I Can't say that I've done that in a quantitative way, but I think the push is definitely there for uh, more and more big data being collected and analysed. And as I said in that article, the worry that I have is now the senior executives will retreat to their corner offices and IT will be running the place. Um, (laughs) And uh, we don't really need that. Uh, So, yeah, I think so. But I think the other problem is, uh, Jen, that when it's all very well to talk about talking to customers, and it sounds fine, but no one knows how to do it. I've had people, you know, that article, I've, that article had huge response on LinkedIn and direct emails as well. And so I get back and have a, a talk to them about it or, you know, some way communicate with them. And a lot of people say, you look, but we don't know how to do that. No one's trained to do that. No one's even been allowed to do that. Now, there are that's an exception. There are exceptions, of course. Sales are supposed to be doing that. When it comes to the senior executive team, you can think of the HR manager going out there and having an in-depth conversation uh, with a client or a customer. It just doesn't happen. So the HR manager, when they sit down to do strategy, the only thing the HR manager knows about is HR. And that's fine for a key stakeholder group called employees but there's another stakeholder group called customers or clients there's another one over here called suppliers so he or she as a ho manager knows very little about the rest so you've got a you've got a set of blinkers on here and so they sit down and say this is what i think we should do hang on a minute with customers you don't know them you've never met if you think about price and you've got a slider from high to low, the job then is to size. Mm-hmm. Now, many organisations in Australia, as you do, that say we will not be undercut on price. Right? So they've said our, our price slider is right down the low end. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this, I, I had a laugh from an executive group when I brought this up the other day. I said, I haven't heard anyone brag about going to the cheapest surgeon. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's I, true. I just had my knee replaced by the cheapest surgeon <laughs> in town. And when I said that, the group erupted because one one of the members of the executive team obviously had just been through that operation. It hadn't gone well.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: There so it was the CEO, and they all killed themselves laughing at that. All the all the factors. What's our range, low or high? What's our price, low or high? What's our service, low or high? And if you say low or high, then you've got to de- describe it. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's this positioning element. And you've got to do that for every stakeholder group. For employees, where are we on rewards? Where are we on culture? Where are we on all those other things that make for uh, happy employees, suppliers, etc. Most people don't do that. And, uh, and yet when you do it like that, and you see all these sliders lined up, then you can see what you need to do to implement it. But getting the sliders in the right position requires you to, first of all, have gone out and had the conversations with your target customer, for example, and then say, they've told us this is where we need to sit to get their business get the sliders lined up, then we provide value, which is price against the other factors, service, mm-hmm. quality, etc. and you're providing the best value. So the surgeon that's the most expensive in the industry is providing the best value because the result is going to be, you hope, better than the cheapest surgeon.
1: You would hope, yeah.
0: <laughs> but you don't know. Send that's
1: me the to the more expensive surgeon all day long. <laughs> Side of things is really missing that that customer understanding, and that's so crucial.
0: Yes, there has been a big shift, I think, and it's good to see yeah. that uh, we're now looking at qualitative data. Uh to make the interpretation, whereas if I have um quantitative results, I can look at 60% of that, and people who live there drop by that, and so on. So it's more quantitative, and that's why I think it's it's uh it stands up often in organizations because it's less subjective but less subjective doesn't make it better
1: well thank you everyone for listening and joining us please rate and review us on your favorite network and don't forget to share the show